So Luke chapter 1, starting reading at verse 1, and as we read, we remember this is God's word to us. Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set an order and narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. There was in the days of Herod, a king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as a priest, Before God, in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. 
Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favoured one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing is impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let, me, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. We're going to pray now and ask for God's help to understand this word which he brings to us. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you for your truth. And we pray that as we study this passage from the start of Luke's gospel today, that you would help us, help us by the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to be convinced that this is the very word of God, and help us to be confident that it is true. And we pray, O God, that you would apply it to our hearts and our minds today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, friends, most of us are aware that there were floods in Newry last month. Some of us were there to see it. Uh, some people were in Newry and, and we saw the level of the water with our own eyes. We witnessed the damage that was caused to local businesses and to the, the church building of, of our brothers and sisters in Riverside RP. But other people didn't see it for themselves. 
Other people didn't see it, but they still know that it happened. Maybe you're here today and you didn't go into Newry to see the flooding. Are you in any doubt that it actually happened? Of course you're not. Because even though you might not have been there to see it, well, other people who were there have told you about it. Maybe you saw one of those WhatsApp messages that was going around. Uh, Maybe even the the video of the strange fellow who decided to take a swim in the car park. Or maybe it was just a news reporter. The news reporters went to Newry and, and maybe it was on the television or the radio or writing in the newspaper. But you heard an eyewitness account of what happened in Newry. You can be certain that there were floods in Newry because an eyewitness has reported it to you. Well, that's very, very much the case of what's going on in Luke's gospel. This book of the Bible, which we have before us today, has been written essentially as a news report. It's been written in the same way as those who went into Newry to see what happened and then brought back a report for other people. The opening verses of Luke tell us very clearly what is going on and why the book was written. Luke uh, was a a doctor. We know that from what Paul says in Colossians chapter 4. He calls Luke the beloved physician. And Luke says in the very beginning of his gospel that many people have written down an account of the life of Jesus. We know some of those, don't we? We know Matthew and Mark and John. But it seemed a good idea for Luke to to take all of the, the eyewitness accounts he could get his hands on and to try and put things together in an orderly manner. He's writing to a man named Theophilus. Now, we don't really know much about Theophilus. It's possible that he was a a wealthy Christian who is paying Luke to investigate these things, the the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. But not only what Jesus did in his uh, physical life here on earth, but also what Jesus did after the ascension through the Holy Spirit, in a book called The Acts of the Apostles. Luke wrote a sequel to this gospel. We refer to it as Acts. That makes Luke the person who has written more words in the New Testament than anybody else. And his purpose in writing this orderly account is that he wants Theophilus to have certainty. He wants Theophilus to be certain about the things that have happened. He wants him to be certain that they are true. And that these things about Jesus are a fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures. You can see what he says in verse 1. Those things which have been fulfilled among us. And so what we can say is that for those who read Luke's account, including us today is that we've been given this book so that we might have certainty that the birth, life, death and resurrection of Jesus really happened, both as an historical fact and as a fulfilment of the Old Testament scriptures. 
This book is given so that we would be certain. That we would have confidence in the word of God. That we would know that it is true. Both as historical fact and fulfilling itself in the person of Jesus. And that's really what I want us to learn today. I want us to become confident, certain in the word of God as truth. Luke has been there. He's done the hard work. He's done the research, the investigation, the speaking to eyewitnesses. And he's bringing us a news report. A news report of of all the things which we have heard and learned about this man called Jesus of Nazareth. The stories that we've heard for years. The stories that we grew up listening to. Those stories about a baby boy in Bethlehem. And because we we are so familiar with them, we, we can sometimes have them in our mind as just stories. Maybe that's where you are as you come to church today. Maybe you love Christmas time. It reminds you of your own childhood. And you love to hear the stories about a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and laid in a manger. You love to hear the same stories that you've heard your whole life. These are not just stories. This is a factual report of something that has taken place in history. And Luke wants you to be certain that they're not just wee stories. This report is the truth about the birth, life and death of Jesus as a fulfilment of the Old Testament scriptures. And we actually see this play out in the first part of the narrative, what we read just a few moments ago. We see two people, an old priest in the temple and a young woman who actually happens to be a cousin of the priest's wife. And we see that one of them lacks certainty in God's word. And the other one has confidence in the word of God. Luke grounds all of this in history by pointing out that it took place during the days of Herod, who was a king in Judea. Zacharias is an old man. His wife, Elizabeth, is an old woman. They are godly and righteous people. They are devoted to the faith of their fathers, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. They do not have any children. And they're well beyond the age where they might hope to have children. And Luke's report begins with Zacharias in the temple burning incense to God. Now he was a priest and so you might think this is his bread and butter. But actually this is a once in a lifetime experience for Zacharias. To be chosen to perform this duty, this particular duty, well it would have happened only once for these men in their lifetime. 
And so he was immensely privileged and he was likely thrilled to be chosen to perform this task. But that excitement is about to be blown out of the water. An angel appeared before him. Like with most of these occasions in the New Testament, when an angel appears to someone, Zacharias is really scared. He was troubled. Fear fell upon him. And isn't that what we would expect if an angel appeared before you? Next week, we're going to look at the miraculous nature of Jesus' birth. But it is important to notice here that the reporting of the facts is that when something unusual happens, Zacharias reacts to it as if it's something unusual. When an angel appears, he's not calm and cool and just starts chatting with the angel. He's afraid because this sort of thing was not normal. This is an historical report of exactly what you would expect to find if a miracle took place, if an angel appeared before someone, they would be afraid. And so the angel goes on to tell him, don't be afraid. And it gives him some pretty interesting news. He and his wife in their old age are going to have a son. They probably at some point had been hoping for children. And they'd probably given up that hope of ever having a child. But just like those from the Old Testament, Abraham and Sarah, who had gone before them, someone like Hannah, even though this is immensely unlikely because of their age, Zacharias and Elizabeth are going to have a son. And you can see what the angel told him about this son. This is a unique individual. Verses 13 and 14 tell us that they're to call him John and that they will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. That's probably no surprise. A child bringing joy to his parents is a normal thing. But look at what else, verse 15. He will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall neither drink wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. He is going to go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. This child is going to be special. This must have been amazing for Zacharias to hear. It was as if for him that the Old Testament, which he knew really, really well, it's as if it was coming alive before his very eyes. He had heard of Elijah but there's hundreds of years of history since. And yet the angel is telling him, your wife will have a son who will be like Elijah. God is going to fulfill his promise, Zacharias. He would have known the prophecy of Malachi. It's the last book in our Old Testament. 
in that prophecy, there's a promise from God that he would send a messenger ahead of himself and that this messenger would be another Elijah who would, in the words of Malachi, turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. So for Zacharias, the message of the angel was that the Bible, the word of God, is something he could have certainty in. It was, it was going to come alive before his very eyes. He was going to be the father of the messenger of God, the new Elijah, sent to prepare the way of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord that came to Zacharias. But really, sadly, Zacharias wouldn't believe it. He wouldn't believe God's word. Here is this angel standing in front of him. And still, that couldn't make him believe. He wanted more proof. You see what he says in verse 18? He says, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. As if an angel sent from God wasn't enough proof for him to know. How will I know this? He wants more proof. Well, if he was afraid before, imagine how he felt at what happens next. Can you, can you picture it? You can picture the angel Gabriel rising up before him and the voice dropping an octave and he puffs out his chest. And he says, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. The angel Gabriel, the messenger of God, who stands in God's presence, is right there. Right in front of him. But Zacharias will not believe. And so he's struck dumb until the thing happens just as Gabriel told him it would. And of course it does happen exactly as the angel has said. Because an angel can do no other than deliver the word of the Lord. The word of God came to pass. That's what Luke tells us. Elizabeth became pregnant. Zacharias couldn't speak. Friends, I wonder if any of you are like Zacharias today. Maybe you know the stories. And you've heard God's word. It's no coincidence here is Zacharias in the temple. And the privilege that he had to be there that day is matched by the privilege you have to be here today. And maybe you have been here time and time and time again. And God's word has been preached from this very pulpit. And it's been done so faithfully for many, many years, long before I stood here. And maybe it's even made you afraid at times. Maybe you felt this, this has some truth in it. 
Maybe you've been convicted of your sin. You've known that God is speaking directly to you. You've been scared. As if an angel were standing in front of you. But you've not responded. You've not believed. You say, if only I had more proof. You're like Zacharias saying, how shall I know? Friends, this is the proof. Here is the proof. This is a historical record of the God of the universe fulfilling the Old Testament scriptures by breaking into the world he has made and granting a child to an elderly and barren couple. You have the proof. But if you need to hear more, let's think about Mary. The story of what happens to Mary is is actually really similar to Zacharias. There are many parallels to be drawn. But interestingly, by the time we get to the end of our passage, we'll find that we should be more like Mary. That's helpful in itself. Mary is a woman, a young woman. Zacharias is an old man. I think this boosts the, the claim that this is historical fact. If Luke was making this all up, well, then he wouldn't pin his hopes on a teenage girl. One of the lowest sectors of the society at the time. She wouldn't be believed by many of her own people in her own day. If Luke had made this up, surely he would have told the whole thing from Zacharias's perspective. Someone who was well respected, a priest in the temple. But the truth is in the detail of the historical reporting. And Mary is the one who comes out on top in a a comparison between the two. Mary is not married. She is a virgin. And so it is even more unlikely that she would be pregnant than her cousin Elizabeth. And yet... As with Zacharias, the angel Gabriel appears to Mary and makes some pretty astonishing claims about a miracle child who will be very special and have a remarkable identity and future. And all again, this is presenting this child as a fulfillment of Old Testament scripture. Like Zacharias, she's told that she should give him the name Jesus. He will be the son of says the angel of the highest. Verse 35 presents to us this truth that the child will be conceived by the Holy Spirit. There is no earthly father involved in the conception. And in fact, the boy will be the son of God. What a thing to hear. This is Mary, who lives in this small Galilean city, and and none of us would have heard of this otherwise. We'd never have heard of Nazareth. She wasn't in the temple in Jerusalem. But in Nazareth, a baby will be born to an unmarried virgin, and that baby will be the Son of God. He will come to rule over the house of Jacob. In other words, this this family which we've been looking at in the book of Genesis, the, the family of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, it's, it's become a nation. 
and it will be ruled over by this baby. He is the one who has come to be the fulfillment of God's people having a ruler, having a king living among them. Because not only is he going to be the ruler of the house of Jacob, he will sit on the throne of King David. Again, for Mary, this is like the stories that she heard at the fireside, the the stories she heard by her mother's apron strings, the stories of her people. They're coming alive in her very womb. The greatest and most revered king in all the history of her people, King David, his throne belongs to this baby that she will have. What remarkable things to hear. And they're true. These are not stories on a page. These are real events in the history of the world. An angel appearing to this virgin girl and telling her that God's own son would be born to her. They're so remarkable that throughout the centuries since, many have not believed them. They're so remarkable that people don't believe it. Many people here today don't believe it. You think this sounds impossible. It is impossible. But with God, nothing will be impossible. Mary's reaction to this news is different from Zacharias. He wants more proof. Mary believes. She believes right away. She believes the word of God. And she responds, how will this be? She doesn't know how will she know. She wants to know how it's going to happen. She believes the word of God and she she accepts it. She responds with, with certainty, with confidence and humility. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let, let it be to me according to your word. And so our example in this passage is Mary. She is certain and she is confident. Right at the beginning of Luke's account of the historical fact of the birth, life, death and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. Something he wants us to know with certainty. He wants us to be sure of the things we have been taught right at the start. He begins with an old priest and a young woman. One of them hears the word of God and is sceptical. The other hears the word of God and takes it seriously. Has confidence in its content and credibility. So today, I want you to hear God's word with the same confidence that Mary had. For both Mary and Zacharias, it came to pass just as the angel had told them, God's word does not fail. Luke's gospel is an historically accurate, well-researched and ordered account of the birth, life, death and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth as a fulfilment of the Old Testament scriptures. I want you to have certainty today. I want you to have confidence in it today, just as Mary did all those years ago. Let me pray for us.